Sorry, I have just been in such complete crisis mode since Playbill.com left Twitter. Playbill.com has left Twitter? <laughs> What's going on? How am I going to see Playbill tweets? People are acting like this is the biggest news story in the world. Who gives a shit? Is Broadway.com going to announce that it's changing its top five on MySpace? Next week, who gives a fuck? It's over. Social media's over. It's over. It's done. Find different ways to monetize if that's your business. Because it's done. Uh, hi, welcome to the Sweaty Oracle Show. I don't know if it's called the Sweaty Oracle Podcast or the Sweaty Oracle Show. I flip-flop. I should make a decision because branded merch. Branded Merch. It sounds like I'm saying Brandon merch. We will not be selling Let's Go Brandon shirts. Imagine if I, <laughs> imagine if we if we had like Let's Go Andrew shirts for Andrew Lloyd Webber because you know fuck you Brandon means fuck you, uh, Biden and fuck you Andrew could mean I could be like, it's kind of stupid I guess now that I've said it out loud. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for bringing that idea to the marketplace. There is merch coming out soon. I don't know if anybody. Anybody's going to be interested. I think there's a hat coming out that could sell a few copies. I think it's so silly when creators just like put their name on, on a t-shirt or a hat and, and then call it a day. Why would anybody want to wear any? I might the, the name Sweaty Oracle will be nowhere on this merch. It's just shit that I have uh, been privy to the design process of. Uh, because like it's number one, the, the vanity the vanity to think anybody wants to walk around with that the egotism i mean i have ego but it's not that big my self-hatred jumps in and goes wait a minute buddy boy wait a minute let's think for a minute like i don't want to i don't want to be like like duke's moi he's a duke's moi i i to be honest that person like fucking sickens me to my stomach uh they seem like they are a narcissist they seem like they are on a ego trip uh, they seem like they do not care about any integrity in journalism. And I know some of you are like, sweaty oracles, shut the fuck up talking about integrity in journalism. But you guys should see the things I don't post. You guys should see the things that I know are true that I don't tell you. The orgies. The cheating. the uh, Oh my god. The things these Broadway fucks do that you people don't know about. That I know about, that people tell me about, and I don't fucking report because it's none of my fucking business. It's a product. Right, 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 it's none of my blah, blah, blah. I sound like Don Vito and Viva La Bam. It might be the 250 milligram C4 original Skittles flavor energy drink that I'm slurping down my gullet right now. <laughs> Earlier, uh, this, I think it was yesterday, posted a blind article about somebody going to a, a star going to Overeaters Anonymous and I'm just like yo shut the fuck up it is it is honestly disgusting that you would post that like like I understand you're a gossip site but at this point you have struck just as low as Perez Hilton drawing jizz all over an underage Lindsay Lohan's face on a blog in 2007 you know what I mean you're right there you're right you're it, and, and and when and when you're chilling with Perez Hilton like morally, like yikes, yikes, daddy o. I think we should bring back uh, West Side Story slang. Lots of daddy o's, lots of skittledy bops. I don't know. I don't think anybody in West Side Story ever says skittledy bop, <laughs> skittledy bop. Doc, this corner's off. <laughs> 
Arthur, I used to joke uh, I, about the West Side Story revival that Ivo did, that Arthur Lawrence was 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 haunting that revival, and that's why so many bad things happened to it because they cut a little bit. Uh, they cut one too many daddy o's. One too many daddy o's was taken from the script, and Arthur Lawrence jumped into his last remaining horror crux <laughs> and said, "The haunt is on, bitches." Put the daddy-o's back. <laughs> Arthur Lawrence was a mean son of a bitch. I don't feel bad making fun of that man. I mean, a mean, cruel son of a bitch. Anybody, I, I, I know people who have worked with him. There are stories as long as time. Uh, hopefully somebody has found that last horror crux and I almost said stuck a basilisk's tooth, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep the Harry Potter references very light because fuck JK Rowling. And also I am not a virgin. <laughs> that means liking Harry Potter doesn't make you a virgin making uh, very detailed Harry Potter references in everyday conversation in 2022 makes you a virgin. It's, it's in Sully. It's insilly. <laughs> I got another cease and desist this week, and I told them, quite frankly, to suck my dick. I sent back to the first lawyers who sent me a cease and desist for a certain Italiano uh, a video back of Minions farting. <laughs> they also spelled my name wrong. Like, I can't, I'm not going to respect a cease and desist that doesn't have my name spelled right. Italiano Ensemble Memberlo. That's proper Italian, right? Ensemble. <laughs> Coriso. <laughs> oh, why am I being so silly and stupid today? Who listens to this? Would it be considered, like, satire? Would I get investigated by the FBI if I wrote a musical where, like, the heroes were people that went and killed big pharma executives? Like, maybe the exciting incident is that, like, uh, I don't know, like, there's, like, a daughter whose father was a member of the Weather Underground back in the 60s, and the father dies because he can't afford insulin, and the girl just goes, like, full John Wick. I've never seen John Wick. I'm assuming the plot is something similar based on Tumblr memes I viewed in 2010. <laughs> and she goes on, like, a killing, tap dance killing spree of, uh, like, Purdue Pharmaceutical. <laughs> and, uh... And, and other pharmaceutical companies. Would I be investigated by the FBI? Would I go to jail? If Heathers can exist, right? It's weird to me sometimes that Heathers exist. Uh, like, I know I'm not going to knock the quality. I am going to knock the quality of it. It's just never been for me. That writing team has never, ever, ever, ever been for Johnny Boy. I just, uh, for some reason, I don't find school shootings funny. Uh, but I do think that it would be funny to like uh Quentin Tarantino level massacre Purdue executives on stage. <laughs> I don't even know if Purdue makes insulin. Uh another pharmaceutical company that does. It can be multiple companies. It can be five production numbers where she goes to five different pharmaceutical companies <laughs> and kills them all in a new way. Like, you know what I mean? Like each number is a new way of killing. Will I be investigated by the FBI? That is not me saying I'm working on something like that. That is just me asking a hypothetical question. Will I go to jail? 
So if you're a musical theater uh, composer and you don't mind being on a government blacklist, email me, juicytheaterT at gmail.com. That's theater with an R-E. By the way, did you know, humble listener, from me, humble speaker, that juicytheaterT, theater with an R-E, at gmail.com is where you can send in anonymous Broadway tips, blind items, information, tea, and gossip. You can also send in discussions that you want to be had or just contact me about questions you may have. That is also linked to to a PayPal, uh, that email rather, juicytheaterT at gmail.com is also linked to a PayPal and a Cash App. Every donation keeps the show going because it keeps me going. Right now, we are still 100% independent, like 100% independent. It is only me working on this thing. For right now, that is going to change soon. Let's get back to what I really want to discuss. Political terrorism. (laughs) It's upsetting to me that both the Weather Underground and the Black Panthers have had their names taken from them. Black Panther is now most closely identified with a Disney movie, not even the original comments, a Disney movie, which is a horrific corporation that owns sweatshops and brown companies, uh, brown companies and brown uh, countries. And then the Weather Underground has been taken by a giant corporate weather service. It's it's sad to me. In the 60s, 70s, 80s, probably even 90s, uh, the words Weather Underground and Black Panther meant something very different in uh, most social vernacular. And it's sad to me that both of those wonderful, wonderful, important groups that should still exist today in bigger numbers than they did back then, in my opinion. It's sad to me that both of those names have been, like, taken from the social vernacular and given to these giant corporate entities. And I have to think that's on purpose, right? Like, I have to think... I I have to think there's a little CIA social engineering, some, some little Project Mockingbird sprinkles on that cake, right? You know what's funny? The CIA, FBI, uh, American government, military are all obviously very involved in Hollywood. Uh, Basically, they get approval of scripts and such as long as to make sure that the United States military is shown in a shining light so that those productions can have access to military equipment. It's a pretty, basically every Marvel movie you're watching and most of the Star Wars ones made by Disney subliminally are are indoctrination projects for the American government to some degree. And the American government has done that in movies, they've done that on television, they've done it in music, but it's so funny that they like look at Broadway and they go, ugh, ugh. That's okay, you guys. We we don't even we don't even we don't even want to fuck around here. We don't think it's worth it. We don't know if we like you guys very much. We don't know if you are uh, actual great assets to the CIA, FBI, military, industrial complex, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. Hamilton, kind of looking back as I'm speaking. This kind of seems organized by the United States to uh, kill the entire Obama era way of thinking, right? Like, you know how like Charlie Manson's murders killed the hippie movement, like spiritually and then basically physically. And now there's all this evidence. I sound like a crazy person. I sound, this is Alex Jones. This is Alex Jones show reporting exclusively on Broadway TV. 
gay Broadway frogs are doing a revival. <laughs> a brick of doom. <laughs> Where every lead will be played by a homosexual amphibian. <laughs> this is stupid. Anyway, there's this book uh, that's not like conspiracy garbage. There, It's very sourcefully backed up. It was a New York Times bestseller called Chaos. And it's this journalist 20-year fall into the rabbit hole of what really organized the Charlie Manson murders and it starts I mean it's the United States government like spoiler alert spoiler alert it was the United States government a fascinating book and it was the Charlie Manson thing was then used to basically kill off all the good faith the hippie community had in like the eyes of the free world I hope I'm saying that eloquently maybe Hamilton was 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 created to kill uh, the neoliberal mood of like two th- of like that time period. You know what I mean? Ham- Hamilton really seems like the culmination of like the Obama era. Uh, we know he's dropping bombs on weddings in the Middle East, but uh, he was funny on Between Two Ferns era of thinking. You know what I mean? Which I do miss that blindful ignorance. Don't get me wrong; it was easier maybe morally worse maybe we were all morally worse off in a weird way but it was certainly easier to go and get a bagel from the corner market Hamilton seems so corny now in retrospect it seems so silly it seems so crazy that it was such a zeitgeist moment because it is like the electric company version of rap it is like as if rap never left 1987 it is so corny and silly listening to it and it does not even come close to communicating the points that it thinks it's communicating because the points this show thinks it's communicating is that it's giving these stories back to like black and disenfranchised Americans but in reality disenfranchised Americans can never dream of seeing Hamilton because it costs between $200 and $800. So it just becomes another way of upper middle class to upper class white neoliberals to pat themselves on the back because they paid that much money to see brown people on stage. Absolutely bullshit. Uh, I love that play. God, it's called like The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda where uh, some some people of color artists wrote and created this play where Ghost came back and basically berated Lin-Manuel Miranda for writing Hamilton without thinking about the socioeconomic, uh, political implications and what he was doing fully. Why didn't that come to Broadway? Where's Jeffrey Seller at? Where's Jordan Roth at? Why didn't that come to Broadway? <laughs> anyway, where Hamilton... Seems, looking back, to almost be socially engineered to kill off the Obama era of thinking. And boy, did it, right? Like, like, like was there anybody listening to Hamilton after Trump got elected? Did, did, did how has anybody does is anybody even know if the Hamilton cast recording is still streaming on streamers? Does anyone know if it even exists? Has it been wiped off the face of the earth? Because I bet you money you have not played it since Donald Trump was president. Just been like six years at this point. Oh my God, is Hamilton almost ten years old? Holy shit! It's holy shit. Where'd all the time go? I won tickets to the Hamilton lottery, and this is not me. I uh, this is not me trying to like 
virtue signal in retrospect, I you know during during the biggest during its biggest peak moment in December of 2015, I won the lottery. Uh, front row, all that, blah blah blah. The energy in the theater really was electric. I've never felt something like that where everybody wanted to be there that badly. But I remember looking around and being like, oh my, oh, there's Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump is here. Ivanka Trump is here. And it was all like baristocratic white people filling up this theater. And then I felt kind of bad because I had a little bit of money at the time. And I was like, if I really wanted to see this, I could have just ponied up the money. Uh, I took a ticket from somebody who this show was allegedly, purportedly written to be for, uh, and, and I didn't feel great about it. And it's when I started to turn over the idea in my head of like, who is Hamilton for? <laughs> Here's a funny story. Um, so I, I invited my friend Lindsay to take the second ticket who was working at, uh, I shouldn't say where she's working. She was working for a big theatrical agency, Broadway agency in the city at the time. And I gave her my other ticket. Um, and uh, at intermission, I looked over like my shoulder that Lindsay was not sitting next to, and I saw that I was sitting behind Ice Cube. So I turned to Lindsay and whispered, oh my God, Lindsay, Lindsay, Ice Cube is behind us. But Lindsay looks over her shoulder that is far away from me, so like two seats down from Ice Cube now, and just sees an older black woman and loudly proclaims, Jonathan, not all black people are Ice Cube. <laughs> to which uh, Ice Cube laughed. And then I he wore his sunglasses the entire time. And I remember being like, that's so fucking cool. Uh, I asked him what he thought of the show. And he said, that man said he was going to kill their friends and family because he loves them. Referring. <laughs> To King George's song, <laughs> and I just, and he was like in awe over like you could tell he had he had paused his brain after John Groth spitted those words at us, spat those words at us, uh, and had just been mulling this around in his head, and it was a a great moment, a great moment. So I thank Hamilton for that at least, and like I want to say. It, it is good that Hamilton with the original cast was released onto Disney Plus, especially relatively soon after the original cast left. It was, it was like five years at that point. I think the show was still running on Broadway. But then I think about how much Lynn and the producing team made from selling it to Disney and then how much Disney made from uh, having it sold to them compared to the rock bottom that the cast made to make it. I would love to be wrong. I tried to Google around. I do not think any of them had any percentage points or were even considered to have any uh, percentage points of any sale or profit it made. I've said this millions of times, but Leslie Odom Jr. had to fight to get what Aaron Tveit was getting for Grease Live, which is fucking crazy. And then it's just kind of like, yuck. 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 And now when I think about Hamilton, I think of uh, Obama calling Zach Galifianakis fat for a chuckle on Between Two Firms 
while his administration was bombing children's hospitals in the Middle East because they mistook it for ISIS. I think this whole rant, I have no idea how I got here, started with I got another cease and desist. Uh, as I think I said, I sent the first people who sent me a cease and desist a video loop on YouTube of minions farting. I just sent this person back the word no, because no, I know what my legal rights are to say, and I know what they're not. And this person is particularly heinous, like a particularly heinous person. You can go, th I've made two videos on them. You can go through and figure out who it is. But you think you think a cease and desist is going to shut me up? I don't have I don't have a <laughs> I don't have any assets. I have nothing. I have no money. I have nothing. Cease and desist all you want. It's 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 silly to me. I will not stop reporting on the horrors that you Broadway people do, no matter how much you try to cover it up. It's my atonement. For my own sins, I think it is the reason I have been plopped into the theater community in some form or another. It's to talk about this shit. Anyway, I rewatched The Shining uh, this week, last night actually, because, and I accidentally downloaded the UK cut, not the United States cut, which has like 20, the UK cut has like 27 minutes of Footage missing, and you don't get to see Wendy see the scary blue skeletons. And why am I watching it if I don't get to see Wendy see the, see the, see the scary blue skeletons? Anyway, I was watching The Shining because there's a press release coming out soon about Eva Van Hooves' production of The Shining that's opening in the West End and then is coming to Broadway. Originally, he was gonna. Ha I heard that they wanted Bill Hader to play Jack Torrance, the Jack Nicholson role, which, holy shit, would be the theatrical event of the millennia for me. But there have been articles in trades since then, which don't mean shit. Those same trades reported, and Dina Menzel was doing a Funny Girl revival. I guess she was for a second. Anyway, those same trades reported that uh, Eva was looking at Ben Stiller. I love the idea of casting somebody who's traditionally a comedian. I think it is so, 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 so smart. I think there are so many people that could that that could do it if that's the route he's going. I do kind of feel like, I don't know, Ben Stiller reads a little bit old. Ben Stiller has to be in his 60s to be playing Jack Torrance to have a little boy, like a five to eight-year-old boy. I... I I, I don't know about that. I, I still think it's inspired casting. Uh, I I just can't get Bill Hader out of my head. I heard it was he wanted they wanted Bill Hader and Zazie Beats. Did I say her name right? I hope I did. From Atlanta and the and the Joker. I'm the Joker baby. Do you guys? <laughs> I think I just made a very obscure reference uh, to to a meme that most theater culture probably does not know of. Uh, if if. If you don't know of that meme, please go to you pause this, go to YouTube, type in I'm the Joker, baby, and uh, watch the greatest school drama performance of all time. Anyway, it's not going to be Zazzy Beats and Bill Hader anymore. It's going to be Ben Stiller and probably a, uh, a West End theater actress, and then it'll be a Broadway theater actress when it transfers to uh, New York. I, uh, you, you know, 
I would I love the idea of 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 casting uh Jack as a white man and Wendy as a black woman because I think there's a lot you could I mean at least I my main my main knowledge of the uh Shining is the Kubrick film there's a lot to play off of there, especially given that it's all about power dynamics. You, you know what I mean? I just don't know if Ivo is the one uh, to make those judgment calls about race. I'm saying this very delicately. It was like his West Side Story had bad problems uh, be- because he changed it from being a story about white people excluding brown people to being a story about brown people excluding brown people in America in like a post-Trump America. And I just was not sure that a white middle-aged Dutch man was like the right person to make those observations in an astute and refined uh, way. I hope I'm saying this in an astute and refined way. Uh, I felt the same, like the idea of of playing, God, this is, I'm trying to tread so carefully because these thoughts are so complex to voice and sometimes I even think they're not my thoughts to voice because I'm a white theater creator but there are what like when the carousel revival the most recent one with Joshua Henry and Jesse Mueller was announced with Jack O'Brien directing I was like oh ooh, ooh, because I did not think and I was a billion percent right that Jack O'Brien had any ground to stand on in like his personal life and like in 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 his world i did not think he had enough worldview to stand on to recontextualize carousel to be a story about a a a big tall black man hitting a little tiny white woman and I thought there's no way Jack O'Brien is going to be able to like astutely direct through these implications. I do think there are astute people of color directors who could navigate through those situations. But I, I wonder if Jack O'Brien and Evo Van Hoove are the right people to be commenting on racial dynamics in the United States. You know what I mean? Josh Henry and uh, Jesse Mueller, the entire cast of that carousel was done a fucking disservice by the directing uh, and, and like creation team. I've never, ever, ever seen a revival on Broadway that I've hated more. I've never seen a revival in a regional theater that I've hated more. I have rarely seen a revival in a community theater that I hated as much as the 2018 Jack O'Brien revival of Carousel. I kept wishing that this cast was with a competent team because it was the most incompetent thing I've ever seen before in my life. Down to every costume, 
down to every piece of scenery, every dance move, every lack of a carousel, and I'm a representational motherfucker. I'm a Sam Gold bitch baby. I'm an Ivo boy. But I need the fucking carousel! I don't want people twitching around in a circle, Jackie. I want, I need the fucking titular carousel, O'Brien. Oh, there have to be lucky carousel. Shut the fuck up, Jonathan. <laughs> the most incompetent directed moment I have ever seen from a fucking Broadway career director. O'Brien goes from show to show. Somehow he must have better dirt on the other directors of Broadway than I do. And I've got some pretty good fucking dirt to continue this process. But uh, spoilers for a almost 100-year-old piece of theater. The absolute worst directed moment I have ever seen in a Broadway regional or community theater is when Jack O'Brien had Billy Bigelow slit his own throat and then say a bunch of lines afterwards. Mr. O'Brien. Mr. O'Brien. Jackie boy. The way Billy usually dies is uh, he either plunges the knife into himself, into his belly, you know, because it's easier to speak after you've knifed your belly than it is after you've slit your own throat. You know, <laughs> you know, it's easier to say lines of dialogue with a sliced up belly than it is with a sliced up throat. I'm no doctor. But, you know, our Billy falls on his knife. Like, Billy climbs up an embankment and trips and falls on his knife. And it goes into his belly. And he says all this dialogue. And then he... And then he cacks it. Jack O'Brien had Billy Bigelow slit his throat on stage. I believe walk down some scaffolding. Like, walk off of a raised area say a bunch of lines of dialogue as if he had not just slit his own throat and died. I really cannot imagine another director, even like a junior high theater director, doing something so amazingly stupid. And that basically sums up the entirety of Jack O'Brien's carousel to me. I turned... To the person I saw it with during the seven-minute blow-high, blow-low dance break. Because you know what rough and rowdy sailors do? Ballet! <laughs> rough and rowdy killers, pirouetting thrillers. Didn't work. It was, and yes, I know West Side Story. This was not West Side Story choreography. Chill. It was not that deep. It was just bad. I turned to my friend and at almost full volume, and I am huge on theater etiquette, said, I have had enough of this. The only time I've, a show has ever made me do that, has ever made me turn to someone before the act break and proclaim out loud during a dance number, I have had enough of this. I guess it was worth the $40 I spent on my ticket to hear Josh uh, Henry sing Soliloquy, which was awesome. That was truly an incredible theater moment, but that's just because of... Uh, Joshua Henry, and not at all because of Jack O'Brien. 
and the creative team. I've always wanted, and when I share ideas about theater I want to direct on the internet, uh, I, I intend one day with all of my might to make those things. So if you, uh, if you steal my ideas and you produce my ideas with me not directing, like if you take them for your own, I, they won't find you. <laughs> Your loved ones will always wonder what happened because they won't find you. I I used to, when I watched The Sopranos, very noble of me because I didn't watch The Sopranos until, until the second year of quarantine, 2001. Was that what year it was? Yeah. Uh, and I kept complaining and not trying to be a white knight. I kept just being like, there's a lot of violence against women in this show and it feels disproportionate and it feels like the violence against women is sometimes played for laughs which is nasty, but then I got to that episode where the girl from Hollywood stole Christopher Montesanti's ideas from a screenplay, and I was screaming at my television, Cap the bitch! Cap her! For some reason, the stealing of ideas, is artistic ideas, is the most heinous thing to me. They won't find you. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, uh, if I was going to direct Carousel, uh, I would, Daniel Fish it, I would set it in modern day, I would, uh, have, like, a trashy roadside carnival that you would see, like, in a Walmart parking lot in the South, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you are obviously not from the South, and, uh, Billy is kind of like the hot, sleazy, carny, and then he and Julie get together, but they don't have any money, so they go and live uh, with Nettie in a trailer park. Uh, I am I, uh, I I I know about the, the poverty. I know I know this is set in New England canonically, but I also don't give a fuck when it comes to directing theater. I think theater is set in the theater. <laughs> I think the show is set. The show's setting is the performance venue. Call me a little Brechty baby, but. That's just what I think. Anyway, they go and they have to live with Julie's cousin, Nettie, at a trailer park. Uh, and uh, Billy, you know, dreams of being back on the road as a carny. And you make it about, like, uh, par uh, poverty in, 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 in America right now. I would probably kind of code it like the American South. Again, I don't give a fuck if it's set in New England. I think that good musicals can be treated the way we treat Shakespeare, where a strong director can grab the text and contextualize it in basically infinite different ways. I am so sick of traditionalist staging of, of the great musicals. That's why even when Ivo's West Side Story had big mishaps, I was still happy something like that existed. Uh, it, you, you know what I mean? On a big scale. Because I think that's how works great musical theater works should be handled. They should be totally reinterpreted uh, because I don't think I said reinterpreted correctly because they are such strong works that they can withstand that, right? I've had that dream about Carousel for years. I hope I get to do it one day. I recently started writing a show Bible that nobody but me will ever read, just like the rest of my show Bibles, uh, about doing assassins about the 24-hour news cycle so having a bunch of screens and live recording and the proprietor and the uh, balladeer are both working for different networks. They're both like the anchors for different networks. Uh, I don't know. I think 
I think there's something there. I'm sketching that. That's another idea that a community theater, a community theater, the theater community rather, will probably not want me to. Imp- I keep sending off my show Bibles. Uh, he says as he jumps to a new topic before ending the last word he was saying. Implemented should have been the end of that word. Uh, I, I send my show Bibles off and they just go off into a void, it feels like. And I feel like that's what I don't even know if I'm supposed to be sending show Bibles. I don't know how to pitch myself as a director. I have no idea. I'm just making up rules and they're not working. Like I've been pitching for years a production of hair. Again, don't you fucking steal this, you fucking wimps, you fucking wimpy babies. Uh, a production of hair where it's it's like not a production of hair because hair has gotten so corny and frankly fucking terrible to me. It's like Rent is now too, where you have a bunch of BFA students and they have no idea what they're fucking singing about when originally hair was literally performed as a form of protest. It was a protest on Broadway. It was not really a musical, right? And now hair is uh 30 hair is silly hair has missed the entire point it's it's theater kids in long wigs throwing up peace signs with their shaved chests you know what i mean it's 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 not where it is anymore and so i love hair hair is one of my favorite pieces of theatrical art ever made uh i have been trying to pitch to different communities to let me direct hair in an abandoned church but not as a production of hair, like as the church of hair, like performing the text of hair as a religious service where Claude is their deity. And I know that might sound completely fucking crazy, but I don't give a shit. I see it in my head like a fucking movie and it will be great. Shall I ever get it done? It shall blow your mind. It shall melt your face. And I got a, I got a good little, little packet for that. I've got the whole show mapped out. I've got some concept art. And nobody gives a fuck. This is just me complaining, I guess. It started off me sharing theater ideas, and now it's just me bitching. Uh, once again, juicy theater tea, if you have, if, if you know how I'm supposed to be going about this, because apparently just blind sending show Bibles to regional theaters is not the move. You know what's stupid? I don't even want to make money, and I know a lot of people say that. I just want to get this art out of me, because it is going to fester and kill me if I don't, I want to exercise it from me. You know, that's that's why I feel like I make art, because I see something in my body and my head and my psyche and my consciousness. And I know if I don't exercise it from that realm into a physical reality, I will explode, which is what makes making doing what I want to do in theater so hard uh some because if you're a painter you can just go to walmart and buy painting supplies for like 20 bucks and paint whatever you want if you're even a movie maker you can get your iphone buy some lenses grab your friends make a makeshift movie it is so exorbitantly expensive to do theater in this country particularly if you don't write it yourself and you have to license it you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in licensing fees uh which fucking sucks, which fucking sucks. I get that this is the system that should exist uh, because I want the artist who wrote those works to be paid, uh, to be paid. But like, you can't fucking, 
Like, to do Rocky Horror as a community theater, it's like $1,200 a night, and that's not even to do it professionally. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. It's exorbitant, and I can't imagine all of that goes to Richard O'Brien. You know what I mean? It's going to MTI or Samuel French or whoever the fuck owns it. Which, like, then should a theater decide to revive a musical, like a, a like a somewhat well-known musical, they do not have the budget to do any kind of concept but the bare minimum, uh, but to skid it onto the stage because the licensing fees cost a fucking arm and a leg. And then audiences don't want to go see a amateur or small regional production that costs them 40 to $50 a piece, and it becomes this snowball, blah, 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 theater is dying, the death of culture in America, capitalism killed art. You're all like, yes, Jonathan, we know. It's all you talk about. Please consider a new subject. I keep seeing Broadway artists and other people uh, wishing that the United States government would somehow fund the arts in this country, to which I, 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 I keep seeing that, and I keep literally laughing at it, uh, because that is never, ever, 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 ever going to happen. I don't know if you guys know this, but even like the Democratic, the Democrat candidates here would be far right in most European countries. You have no, the arts have no friends here in the political world. They never, ever, ever will because the arts don't have money to pay politicians to lobby. The Democrats would fight for uh, artistic funding in this country if Broadway gave each of them $10 million first. <laughs> And Broadway does not have that. So flush that pipe dream down the drain and move to Amsterdam. Man, on my my birthday is January 31st. Aquarius explains everything, right? Uh, I don't know if it does or not. I, I, I don't think anything explains anything. Thank you. This has been a weird rambling podcast. Uh... I, uh, like, not this year, but in 20, like, this coming year, 2023, but in 2024, Evo Van Hoof, Jesus Christ Superstar, is going to be playing in Amsterdam, and I will rob a little old lady if I have to, to be there. I'm manifesting it right now. It's January 31st, 2024. I'm in Amsterdam. It is about 7 p.m. I'm just getting to the theater. For the show to start at 8, I'm so excited. I have just uh, taken some magic mushrooms, smoked a joint, and paid a young lady $100 to lick the bottom of her soles. And I'm feeling good. And I'm in Amsterdam. And Jesus Christ Superstar, done with a lot of video screens, is about to be played for me. <laughs> if you know what you want, then you go and you find it and you take it. Do you want to take magic mushrooms, smoke a joint, pay a sex worker uh, to lick her nylons, and then go see Jesus Christ Superstar directed by Abel Van Hoove or not? And you give and you take and you bid and you bargain or you live to regret not being able to go to Amsterdam, take magic mushrooms, smoke a joint, uh, pay a sex worker to smell her nylons, and then see Jesus Christ Superstar.
There are rights and wrongs and in-betweens. No one waits while fortune intervenes, you know? You know, we're manifesting what we want here on the Sweaty Oracle Show. I think I'm leaning towards the Sweaty Oracle Show and not the Sweaty Oracle Podcast. I saw a clip uh, this week of Corey Feldman singing. (laughs) And to be 100% honest, my first thought was like, if they wanted to keep Beetlejuice open, put Corey Feldman in the lead role. Fuck it. Bring in the chaos. Because he kind of sounds like Alex Brightman. Singing as Beetlejuice. Am I wrong? Like, Alex Brightman ab- obviously has technique, tone, and the notes correctly, but they're there. They're similar in tone and timbre. Didn't I start this talking about how uh, Playbill is not going to be on uh, Twitter anymore? If Elon Musk does that stupid fucking twitter verification thing uh if somebody wants to send eight dollars or actually if you subscribe to the patreon i get exactly eight dollars and 33 cents i will use that eight dollars and 33 cents to make a fake playbill.com account and i just post ludicrous crazy untrue things all day every day until the end of society my first fake story will be broadway con 2023 to give ben vereen Gropius Guru Award. <laughs> you know, because Broadway Khan gave Ben Vereen a man who sexually assaulted an entire cast of hair and probably a bunch of other people throughout his entire career uh, an award in front of a bunch of fucking kids earlier this year. My blood sugar must be low because I want juice. I want juice so bad. I want juice, I want juice so bad, it's driving me mad, it's driving me bad. I want juice! Okay, I'm done, sorry. Uh, what about, uh, <laughs> someone Christ king of the juice, a Jesus Christ superstar reference? I really want juice, I got juice on the brain. Grape juice, apple juice, pear juice, banana juice, I don't care. I want juice. I got juice on the brain. Why did dinner theater die in this country? I don't know. Right now, it seems like so good to get like a, a chicken pot pie, couple of drinks, sit down, and watch somebody who was in the ensemble of Wicked in 2006 play Sally Bowles in a local dinner theater. Doesn't that sound nice? Why did we let that culture die? That sounds so nice. Pot pies, pizza, theater. I uh, I worked at a horrible theater that I've complained about before. Terrible pieces of shit. Trust this theater in Columbia, South Carolina. Never work for them. In fact, if you see them on the street, say, fuck you. Just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't harass people. Unless it's... No, stop. Don't harass people. Anyway. Um... <laughs> That theater has a bar attached to it, and they tend to do works that, like, lend themselves towards a drinking crowd, like Rocky Hard, Evil Dead, the musical. I've always, but I have no idea because, you know, America, the legalities, even in legal states, there are all the legalities about you can only smoke it in your home or whatever, but I would love to create a regional theater that had a dispensary attached to it, and you could get just high as fuck and go see an okay production of Jesus Christ Superstar or Hair. Doesn't that sound fucking incredible? Doesn't that sound like where we should be 
moving towards as a regional theater community. God, I would love to create trippy theater for a stoned audience. Going back to my hair in a church idea from earlier, one of my ideas has always been to do that in a legal state and to get permission and to have the entire audience, those who want to, like pull out a joint that they buy at the theater and smoke it with the cast when the cast is smoking and tripping during walking in space, like a communal smoke session instead of like, you know, in place of the communion you know, they take they take drugs because it's a church service. The communion is drugs. Shut 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 up. Shut up. I, I know it's not that solid, solid of an idea yet. Shut up. It'll find itself in the rehearsal process. I need a producer to keep my rants on track, I think. I think it's getting a little it's getting a little disjointed in the house. I'm just gonna talk as me for a minute as Jonathan and not the sweaty oracle who has some kind of Broadway and theatrical righteous agenda they feel like they need to constantly be on. It's been tough lately. Has anybody else felt that it's been like a little tough the last half decade? (laughs) I'm just waiting for something to break. You know what I mean? I don't think a human being has touched me since June, I don't think I've had physical like contact with another human. I rarely leave this maybe 15 by 15 room. Don't have a car. Can't leave. Can't interact. Can't go anywhere. In rural South Carolina, I was offered uh, Broadway comps. That I was supposed to take today, but I obviously can't because I can't. It's just not financially responsible when, you know, you don't physically have the money to do it. Uh, Can't even get a remote job. Computer blew up. Middle of nowhere. Can't walk anywhere to work. I mean, the middle of nowhere. I'm in Pumpkin Town, South Carolina. Let that sink in for a moment. And I just wonder when something is going to break and, like, how it's going to break. Because right now, I can't see a window or way out of here. Because, like, out of here requires, like, if I move to the city, like, three to $5,000. If I move anywhere else, like, $3,000 plus a car, which, you know, we'll call an even... We'll, we'll lowball it and say seven. Seven, really like ten. And I just can't see how that's going to happen right now. I've been in tight spots before. In fact, most of my life, not most of my life, but there's been six or seven times where it has really looked like I have dead-ended and the water is up to my nose and I'm floating on my back, wondering how I'm going to continue to breathe. And then there's always, uh, there's al- always something happens. Always light appears miraculously. And that's happened a couple of times. I mean, like, utter miraculously. I just wonder if I have used up all of those 
miracles. You know what I mean? I wonder if you only get so many of those in a lifetime, and I used all of mine before 30. It's crazy to think where we all were before the pandemic, right? Who would have ever thought this was going to be 2022? Who would have ever thought what would have filled the last two years, and it's continuing to fill our lives? I was going off to direct a giant, immersive Rocky Horror on May, excuse me, March 26th, I think. It was, it was near the end of March. It was on a Friday. So whatever Friday is around that date. And I remember the day, ever, and like it was going to be great. I had totally recontextualized all of Rocky Horror. The audience were going to be Frank's party guests. They were, we were going to do it in a big warehouse. The audiences were going to physically move through the space. Low audiences, high cost, which I know is shitty, but that's how it's got to be. Um, I... Thought I thought that Brad was Tobias Funke from Arrested Development because that's a self-hating gay man who's an asshole. Every time people call Brad an asshole, I don't see it. But if they played it like Tobias, yeah, I'd get it. I th- thought that uh, that I was basing like like uh, Janet off of Jen Simard's performance in Disaster, the musical of all things, where she went from being very monotone and repl- and uh, repressed to being like. Ellen Green, belty lusting, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Columbia was going to be cast as a uh, male presenting actor uh, or a non-binary actor. Um, and I was basing it off Kenneth the Page from 30 Rock because it just made sense to me. And Frankenfurter, I wanted a big, fat and I, I, I don't say fat as an insult. I have been fat most of my, all of my childhood, most of my adult life. I've just recently lost weight and have other patches of weight loss. But I've been, I've been, I've been a two XL boy most of my life, and I wanted that fucking represented in a lead role, a, a, a sexy lead role. I want, I wanted, I wanted to fucking see that. I wanted him to be a big, fat gay trucker i had this idea that the three aliens like during science fiction double feature the audiences were going to be shown a fake movie trailer which was really like the prelude to the show where you saw uh an alien spaceship ship crash at like a gas station in the middle of like you know a gas station off the highway in the middle of nowhere south carolina uh, flying saucer crashes these giant praying mantis um, beings get out of it, and those praying mantis aliens are uh, Magenta, Riffraff, and Frankenfurter. They're the aliens. They're the Transylvanians, and they go in and they body snatch people. They body snatch humans to fit in to the world. Uh, and uh, the queen accidentally goes into a big old trucker, and that's Frankenfurter. That's that's what I thought, and I don't use queen in a female sense, but Frank is the queen. You know what I mean. And then at the end, when uh, when uh, uh, Frank and Furter, it's all over. You would see uh, the giant puppets, the giant praying mantis puppets, instead of the actors playing riffraff and magenta because they have dropped their human shells. They're done with this bullshit, and they're out of here. 
And when I, I when I wanted when they shot Frank, I wanted his uh, praying mantis like carcass to come out of the body, kind of alien style. But I hadn't figured out how to do that special effect yet. And then at the very end, uh, when the narrator is doing and crawling on the planet's face, some insects called the human race. I wanted uh, I, I wanted the narrator to be <laughs> revealed to also to be a praying mantis. For <laughs> Why am I stuttering? Because it's hard. It, it sounds so stupid to communicate your artistic ideas, even if you feel very strongly about them inside it feels like everyone is going to make fun of you. I feel like a little kid again when I'm trying to talk about my ideas sometimes. And it was like it was budgeted like we already had blueprints for the sets like it was it was going. I was going to cast the show and spend the next six months doing the show. And then the coronavirus hit and then I was going to go from that show Back to the city where I was going to do an off-off-Broadway This Is Our Youth produced by one of my closest friends, Brett. Um, And I have this whole concept for This Is Our Youth. I don't even have time to go there. Because This Is Our Youth, I've seen it two times. It's bored the fuck out of me both times. But I like the text and I think there's something there. So I was trying to find a way to make it more visually interesting. And I know some of you are like, the point is it isn't visually interesting. Fuck you. I I need for me to listen. I need it to be visually interesting. That's just my brain and I'm only making theater to please my brain. Let's get that clear. I'm doing all this for me, not for an audience. And I keep thinking about where uh my life would have been had that Rocky Horror gotten done, had that this is our youth gotten done. Uh, because I have not, I've still not been able to direct a show. I got so close. I worked very, very hard to get those two opportunities. Worked my ass off for years and years to get those opportunities. And then I got it, and they were taken away, and the whole theater community crashed. And now, you know, like, I maybe now you could do Rocky Horror, but, like, the, the way I wanted it done. But, uh... During COVID, immersive productions were obviously the last things that were going to come back. I still don't. I worked at Sleep No More for a little bit, and I still have no fucking idea how Sleep No More is safely back. Not that Sleep, not that Sleep No More was ever that concerned with anybody's safety, uh, but I have no idea how Sleep No More is doing it safely. And I didn't feel morally like it was time. I, I kind of feel like it's time now. I wouldn't feel morally. Like I was killing people with COVID if I did Rocky Horror immersively now. But, you know, the road, the road, it's not even the, almost said the road you didn't take. It's not even the road you didn't take. It's the road that got blown up by a meteor named COVID. And uh, now there's, it, it, now it seems hard to get past that crater. You know what I mean? It was already hard to get to where I was on that road, and now there's like a two-mile crater. That's just what it has felt like post-pandemic, and I know a lot of other theater artists who feel the same way. Uh, I just wonder when something happens, when the next inciting incident 
of my life presents itself. And I would like it to be kind of soon. You know what I mean? Because I'm getting... I'm getting a little antsy. It's been five months of this. Almost six. No, it's been six months of this. Of this void, of this nothingness. And I think I needed the the void and the nothingness to rebuild myself mentally and a little bit physically because I've since found out <laughs> that I've got diabetes and all kind of other things. I needed this time, but this time has run its fucking course, I think. And I'm ready for that ex- ex- that 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 push. Uh that push that door uh that safety hatch above me to open for rescue divers to get to the wreck and pull me out before I drown. I'm hoping that's coming. I'm hoping that's coming. So, uh, if any of you uber-rich people who listen to me, and I know there are a few, feel like uh, helping the poor and donating a car or a creative job at a production, JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. That's theater with an R-E. <laughs> We're classy. <laughs> Please know if you hire me to direct one of your productions, any theater, uh, I will not make a dumb decision like have Billy Bigelow slit his throat and deliver lines. I will think about things. I promise. Please know if you gift me a car, I will develop vocal nodules driving around trying to uh, deliver Uber Eats while hitting Judas's high notes in Jesus Christ Superstar. For years, for like five or six years now, my favorite recording, not my favorite Broadway song, not my favorite original Broadway cast recording moment, my favorite recording is the original Broadway cast of Hairs, Where Do I Go? Uh, I just think it is gobsmackingly uh, poignant and moving. I've always found that song so poignant. And moving, uh, I also like the recording. There's a slept-on recording of Hair. It's on Spotify, so it's probably on Apple Music and other places. Um, and it's uh, Hair. They did a concert of Hair in a Catholic church to commemorate Hair's third anniversary on Broadway in the early 70s, if I am remembering those details correctly. So uh, the the cast the current that current cast of Broadway's Hair went to the church and did some hymns and did some songs from Hair and there is an incredible recording of Where Do I Go on that CD on that CD on that album uh, where there is an optional high note at the end which it feels like an egg cracks on the top of my head with the goosebumps every time I listen to it but that song to me is what. Not only the musical hair is about, it's what everything is about uh, for people who are trying to be thoughtful about their positions in life. I've been thinking about that recording a lot lately and like the honesty in the voices of those performers. 
They're not. There are some tonal problems, but you you don't give a shit because it's honest. It is an honest, honest, honest performance. They are asking earnestly, begging the listener to help them know where to go because they truly cannot see what to do anymore. Me too! (laughs) Uh, And with that, the uh, 250 milligrams of caffeine is starting to wane. I think that's enough of a podcast. A messy, messy, disjointed podcast. I love you guys. Again, uh, if you'd like to send in any gossip, anonymous sourced theater information, anything like that, JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. That is also linked to a cash app and PayPal. Your donations keep the show going by keeping me going. Maybe soon I'll be able to have a fancy new laptop to play with. I love you guys. I hope you are well. I hope you have a good week. I love chatting with you guys. Um, Maybe we'll do a live podcast next episode with a special guest star.